Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again today. We know anxiety is a really big thing in the world today, but in terms of us as parents, as teachers, um, as pupils and students, you know, there, there is so much going on and there are real reasons why this is the case in our modern world. And today I'm talking to Ashley James, who's from the Learn True Health podcast, and she's going to be talking us through NLP and giving us some tips and some understanding and the process of how to use NLP to really get to the bottom of, of how we can support ourselves and those around us to reduce the idea of anxiety, which I think is going to be of such benefit to, to all of us listening and also the ripple effect of being able to support people in our life. Now, as you know, I'm the vice chair of the National Association for Primary Education, who are also the sponsors of this podcast. And they have their own podcast, which I produce. And I was very lucky to be able to interview Beth Tweddle. And as you will know, she's Britain's greatest ever female gymnast. She has an impressive amount of achievements, including being an Olympic bronze medalist, a triple world champion, a six times European champion, a Commonwealth champion and seven times consecutive national champion. Now, one of the really exciting things for us as educators is that Beth has been sharing her passion for learning and education through her business, Beth Tweddle Gymnastics, which has been running for about 10 years now. But following the success of her in-person classes, she's now created an online resource for primary schools for both Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2. And on that podcast, I talked to her about her experience, both as a gymnast, but also where this passion for education comes and also how this new online resource can really help you in school. So if you'd like to listen to that, I really urge you to, to go to the NAPE website and take a listen. So if you go to NAPE, dot org dot uk that's n-a-p-e dot org dot uk then just click on podcast on the top tab and that will take you to that episode but today we're talking to ashley james talking about nlp and how we can help support us all with anxiety hello ashley thank you so much for being on the show and tell us a little bit about learn true health and and how you're going to be able to support us in terms of our children and learning about anxiety and the sorts of things that you cover both on your podcast and also through your membership thank you so much i'm really excited to be here Uh, when i was a child i had constant anxiety and i didn't even know it you know back then in the 80s they didn't diagnose children uh, as much as they do now and quickly get them on on drugs or get them into some kind of program. And they they just my parents just thought that, that was normal because I was an only child. They had nothing else to compare it to. But I I couldn't do any sleepovers. I tried to do a sleepover. I'd I'd cry for three hours straight until my mom picked me up. Um, I couldn't uh, write tests. I would just throw up. I would I and I would start failing in school. So they had to put me in special classes with only five other children and special teachers. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't know that it was anxiety until much later on in life, um, when I was uh, 25 years old, and I and I began to study neurolinguistic programming. I became obsessed with it because it completely changed my life. It gave me tools to stop the anxiety that I had been experiencing my whole life, and I became so passionate about it that I went on to become a master practitioner and trainer of neurolinguistic programming and timeline therapy. And since then, uh, since 2005, I've been using this technique 
teaching children and parents how to end anxiety. Kids actually get this technique faster than adults, and it takes adults about a minute to learn this. So <laughs> it's, a, it's actually very quick. It's great. And once you, once you practice it, so you, you have to do this technique I'm going to teach today. You do it every time you have anxiety. So if you're in a state of anxiety, and, and, and one thing is teaching children to identify what is anxiety, because they might not say, I feel anxious. You know, they're going to say, I have a tummy ache. They're going to say, I feel, I feel bad. I feel sick. I don't feel good. I don't want to, I don't want to go do that. You know, it's going to exhibit more as physical symptoms like, um, like a headache or, or nausea. And that's because anxiety is not a negative emotion like other negative emotions. It's actually, um, it's a physiological response to the body switching from the autonomic nervous system's parasympathetic response to the sympathetic response, going from, from rest and digest to fight or flight, going into stress mode, going into survival mode. And then we identify the sensations in our body as anxiety. But anxiety is not a negative emotion um, like the others, like anger, sadness, fear, hurt, and guilt. Because you can think about something in the past and trigger it, a, a negative emotion in the present. So you can think about something bad that's happened in the past and feel the negative emotion right now. Just like something positive, you can think about your wedding day or something really positive in the past or the birth of your child. And you can access those positive emotions that you had back then. But anxiety, you cannot access anxiety about something that's already complete. You can't feel anxious about something that's over, that's done. You can remember that you were anxious like the day you took your driving test. You can remember, oh, yeah, I was anxious. But you can't physically access the anxiety now thinking about something that's already complete because the body will not perceive it as a threat and you won't go into stress response. So anxiety is a, a message from your unconscious mind to focus on what you want instead of what you don't want. Because the body is always listening to our thoughts and perceiving them, either perceiving them as something that's a threat or not a threat. So if I think about, as a child, if I think about a test that I might fail or if I'm going to go and get bullied or, you know, whatever a child is, is, is worried about. Um, as a child, I, when I went over sleepovers, I was worried that I had the separation anxiety. My parents would be dead because I'm not in the same house as them. And, you know, as a seven-year-old or a nine-year-old, it was hard for me to process that. And so I would just experience the anxiety, but that's where my mind went. I'd focus on these worst case scenarios, which is what, what we do. We think about these worst case scenarios and they're just thoughts in our head. They're not real. Um, they're not real yet. You know, they're just worst case scenarios that could happen, something that possibly could happen, but our body is imagining that the body is perceiving it as real all the time. And I'll give you an example. You and I could watch a zombie movie together in the comfort and safety of our own home, locked doors in a safe neighborhood. And yet, and we could hook up each of us up to machines that monitor our heart and our, our blood pressure and our respiratory rate and even our cortisol levels, our stress hormone levels. And as we're watching the zombie movie, we're completely safe. Our heart rate will increase. Our palms will start sweating. 
our uh, breath rate will will go shallow and fast, um, our blood pressure will go up, and our cortisol levels will rise. It's because what we're watching is something that is life-threatening. And, and we're having fun watching it because we know logically we're safe, but our body doesn't. Our body perceives it as a threat. And so we, we go through this roller coaster ride of, of, of physical sensations and even anxiety and fear, uh, imagining that there are actually zombies coming after us. The body is thinking it's real. And, but we know logically it's not. So every, every time we experience anxiety, it's actually our body imagining what we're imagining, uh, our body perceiving what we're imagining is real. I'm, I'm always intrigued about the fact that, like you say, in, in that scenario, for example, you can kind of perceive it based on your experience and the sorts of things that you know. But when you have anxiety when you're really young, why does that manifest itself in that way? Because it's, uh, is it something you learn? Is it something you feel? Is it something which just is, you're more susceptible as one type of person or another? How does that work? So as we grow up from in from infancy from conception, um, we're developing neuropathways, and luckily we have neuroplasticity, so we actually can change our habits. But we 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 learn from our parents, we learn from the people around us. Um, we there's strategies that we learn unconsciously, you know, children are sponges and they're, they're learning from what we do, not what we say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you could say, don't worry. And what actually they're thinking about is worrying because the mind cannot perceive a negative directly. So when you say, don't slam that door, they're just hearing slam the door. Um, so th with our language, but mostly with our behavior there, if, if we're ones that focus on the negative or we're the ones that focus on the threats or talk about the threats, then our, we're, we're showing them that, that there are threats around us that we need to focus on. And so just neurologically, they're developing those strategies. Now, this is actually an ancient part of our survival mechanism. The, the optimists did not survive. You know, really, we are the we all of our ancestors. We've inherited the g genetic makeup of all of our ancestors who survived. And they were all the pessimists because the pessimists would go. There's definitely a bear over there. I'm not going to go <laughs> over there. And and so that the pessimists were the ones that probably focused on all the worst case scenarios to avoid them. And so this is um we were rewarded for thousands of years genetically to be able to pass on our, 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 our genetic code, we were, we were rewarded by being the pessimist, by focusing on the worst case scenario, by focusing on the threats. So it's not that our survival mode, which is what causes our anxiety, it's not, it's not that that's a negative thing. It's just that in this day and age, we are tr constantly triggering it. See, back a thousand years ago, we had a much simpler life. We didn't have the media. Um, even as children, they're exposed. They're exposed to the media, constantly triggering our stress response. We had we had to wake up. We had to find food, and we had to fight off animals. But other than that, we could chill a lot. There's a lot. There was a lot of resting and relaxation. <laughs> um, we would run away from an animal, and maybe we'd be in stress mode for a few minutes, and then we it'd be done. But this day and age we're in almost constant stress mode. And for children, they're, they're now at home with their, most children are at home with their parents because of what's going on around the world. 
and they're hearing, oh my gosh, how are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? I, you know, they're they're perceiving these constant threats as well. And the even if it's even if it's made up, even if it's an imagined threat, like what if, what if, what if? They're hearing these and the body is responding and going into stress mode. Now, when the body goes into stress mode, yes, we experience anxiety and we perceive it as an emotion. But what comes with it, when the body go, shifts from, it's the autonomic nervous system, it shifts from the parasympathetic to the sympathetic, from the rest and digest, which is where we want to be as much as possible, because that is the healing state of the body. It's the state of the body where our resources that on a cellular level, our resources are put towards healing and restoring and for children growing. You know, children who have been in high stressful situations have their growth stunted and have their brain development stunted. There's even brain scans of children in a, abusive homes. Um, and of course, we could say, yes, well, they probably also didn't have adequate nutrition. Uh, but but children who have been through high levels of stress for a lo extended periods of time, um, and then they look at children who were in a nurturing and loving environment being uh, while they were raised actually have significantly smaller brains so children under stress have smaller brains um than children under a state of uh who are, who are raised in a state of love so when we're in stress mode the body um diverts resources away from healing and growth and re restoring the body and, and, and actually sh shuts down enzymatic processes. It's called epigenetics as well. The epigenetically, we shut down enzymatic processes so that we could divert all energy towards survival, divert all energy towards running away from the bear. And then we experience these physiological shifts in our body, like we get the, the nausea, children get the nausea. And that's because when we're in the stress mode, when we're in the fight or flight response of the, the sympathetic nervous system response of fight or flight, that the body is shunting blood because we have little muscles around the vasculature of our entire body. The, of all the blood, the, the, the blood networks in the body, there's little muscles that can, that can squeeze like dams and shunt blood away from certain areas and then open up the capillaries to allow blood to flow to different areas. So when we're in stress mode, it shunts blood away from our digestive core. Now imagine for a child, there they'll cause the child to throw up and, and adults too. Sometimes if they have really extreme anxiety um, or get, you know, they're, they're, they're deep into the survival mode um, their body just shuts down digestion so that it, the body can shunt blood away from the core towards the limbs. So we could fight or we could run. It also shunts blood away from the logic centers of the brain. So now we don't have access to our higher thinking, which as a student, you know, if you're, if you're trying to teach your kids and then maybe I don't, I'm just giving you an example, maybe you get frustrated and yell at your kid cause they're not, you know, paying attention or whatever, yelling at them, just put them in stress mode. And, and trust me, I, 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 I know exactly what you mean. I know the frustration of, of homeschooling. I'm homeschooling my five-year-old son that just wants to be a human ping pong ball and bounce off the walls. <laughs> And, but if you yell at them, right, you're thinking, okay, you know, this worked for me, my, you know, my teacher yelled at me and I, I snapped up right. And, you know, this is what you should do, right? If you yell at them, you put them in stress mode. 
And then what happens is it shunts blood away from the logic centers of their brain and they actually lose their higher thinking and now their, their ability to retain memories go down, which makes it difficult for them to learn. So it's, <laughs> that's the catch-22. How, how do you get them to learn and listen without, without triggering their stress response, without um, instilling fear into them? So, so just know that whenever they're in fear mode, that they're the they lose they lose the higher thinking their digestion gets turned off, um, they're ex in a state of anxiety, and the body is in the is in fight or flight, so we have to bring them back and and for ourselves too because adults and, and children alike go through this, this survival mechanism helped us survive running away from the bear or or fighting a wolf that was coming after us right, it helped us survive, and in in modern day times it helps us react quickly like if um your child was climbing a tree and fell out of the tree and you had to like leap and catch your child like that's you want to be in stress mode you want your body to instantaneously shunt resources away from your your core so that you have extra strength to leap in the air and grab your child and save them from falling from the tree that's great and then once you've caught them you don't need to be in stress mode anymore or if you're driving down the road and all of a sudden there's an accident you need to avoid it you don't you don't actually want the logic centers of your brain. You don't want to have higher thinking because we might end up overthinking something and underreacting. We want to just react quickly to survive. And so being in that state is very positive. The problem is we're constantly triggering it because the body is listening for when it needs to go into stress mode. And it listens to our thinking and it listens to our thoughts and it listens to what we are imagining. So if you imagine scenarios in your mind like children also do what if my parents died what if you know I could never see my friends again what if we had the virus you know just imagining these what ifs is actually triggering the stress response for them putting them in anxiety and if they're constantly in that state they're stunting their growth they're actually stunting their immune system it's very bad for the immune system to be in a state of chronic stress in the in the fight or flight state um, they're stunting their growth, they're stunting their, their ability to heal, um, and then they're stunting their ability to learn. And so we want to teach adults and children alike how to turn off the stress response, how to come back into rest and digest, the parasympathetic response of rest and digest, so that we can learn, so that we can heal, so that we can grow, and so that we can support the immune system to remain strong. And that's that's really um exactly what nlp does isn't it because uh, what i was just thinking then as you as you were just chatting is the fact that because of the media because of our modern world and the environments that we're living in it's almost like going back to your movie scenario we're, we're living in a, in a zombie movie all the time because almost wherever you look there's there's a problem here there's media here i'm right. you know I, i'm doing that all the time i'm living that and that becomes your your default setting because that's what yep. you have most of all of the time exactly and especially when it's normalized when it when it's become um no when it's become normalized to be worried about the bills or when oh it's just normal for children to have stress around a, a, um, a, a project that's due or have to have stress around a test or that's just normal like when we normalize it culturally then we don't see that we need to change the behavior and that's the problem so nlp was created by richard bandler and john grinder back in the 60s they were looking at therapy the model of therapy in the united states 
was vastly different from the attitude of our culture. So um, America, and I'm from Canada originally, but I live in the States. America likes to do things a little differently. America, you know, back in the 60s, they like to be, they like to excel at things. I don't want to be normal. I don't want to be just good at something. I want to be great. And I'm sure, obviously, other countries have, <laughs> have you know, also want to be great. But America is just like, amps it up a little bit more. They're like, they want to be the best. And so Richard Baylor, John Grader looked around and said, it's very interesting that our, our model of therapy at the time in the 60s, if you went to a therapist, you were a wacko, right? You didn't go to a therapist to become better. You went to a therapist or, or to become excellent, to become the best a version of yourself. You went to a therapist because you were broken and something was wrong with you. And in therapy, they only had they had they had a sort of an evaluation system that you were either normal or abnormal. And they thought this is very interesting because these, some of these therapists have amazing tools to help healthy, normal people excel and become the best versions of themselves. And they they understood the, the how the brain works at creating a reality and how our creating a reality affects our state, how our physiology affects our state and how our state affects our behavior and thus our outcomes in life. And so how you can control your outcomes in life is by controlling your behavior and how you can control your behavior is by controlling your physiology state and your internal representation of the world, meaning the reality that you perceive. Well, you and I and most people weren't born with a, an owner's manual. So we kind of walk around thinking that our reality is also everyone else's reality. And then we're always shocked. How could you have voted that way? How could you have perceived, you know, that political speech that way you know how could you you know how could you like that movie i don't like that movie uh we're always kind of offended and shocked when someone else's reality is different from ours because we were raised to think that our reality is the right one obviously mine's the right one yours must be the wrong one and so in nlp we end up learning that our reality how we perceive the world is made up of our values our uh, limiting decisions or negative emotions, uh, all the different languages that like whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, all the different um, uh, filters that we have unconsciously. Um, for example, if you have a belief that you're not loved, your unconscious mind will, it's, uh, there's part of the unconscious mind called the reticular activating system, will filter out things that would go against it. So all the times that people would shout, sh uh, shower you with love, your unconscious mind would delete, distort, and generalize that information. Say your, your unconscious mind would say either would completely delete it, you wouldn't even hear the person say it, or you'd think, oh, they're just trying to manipulate me, or they're not, you know. So when we have a limiting decision, and children have them too, we develop them in early childhood. Like, I can't do it, I'm not good enough, I'm not loved, I'm not worthy. These very, um, there's some very basic ones that, that, that people develop from maybe age three and up. And, and these, these, these filters shape how we perceive reality. The good news is we can clean it up. We can actually go in consciously work with the unconscious mind and we can resolve negative emotions and limiting decisions. We can, we can, um, understand our values and, and we can understand our perception more so that we can shape our reality we can also change our physiology or physiological state. Like if you're depressed, go for a walk, P 
pull your shoulders back, smile, head up, smile even even if you don't feel like smiling. Changing your physiology will change your state. And so if your child is in a negative state, get them to change their physiology. Get them to do jumping jacks, run around the house a few times, run out in the backyard barefoot in the grass, um, changing their – put on some music for a few minutes and have them dance. Changing their phys- physiology will change their state. And then they'll be more able to talk about what was going on for them. Uh, but f- changing their changing your physiology and changing your state – changes your behavior and thus changes your results in life. So they took this model in the 60s and in the 70s and they went around to all of the therapists that were getting the best results, the absolute best results, Dr. Milton Erickson, Dr. Virginia Satir, and and handfuls of others that were getting the best results in life in 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 terms of their model of therapy. And they they sat with them and they studied them and then they modeled them and they created techniques that they could teach so that you could essentially reproduce the results that Milton Erickson was getting or that Dr. Virginia Satir was getting with her clients. And uh, and so NLP is a collection of techniques that leaves a trail behind of results uh, and it allows people to shift shift their reality shift their into a more positive one shift their perception of the world shift their shift their state and and therefore shifting their behavior and their results and it works even better for children than it does for adults because they have less baggage (laughs) yeah no i can i can see that um just before we get into that in in more detail in terms of having control how does it work if your situation actually should be in in sort of flight mode in terms of the, the, the the things that you're worried about are actually a reality can you give can you give me an example cuz um i mean unless you're in a war zone you don't need to be in fight or flight all the time i well, no i guess that's true but, um i was thinking more about you know you talked about finances so if you are desperately in debt and you're struggling to pay your rent Great. each month or okay. or if you're yeah. in an abusive relationship and you've got that oh no it might happen now kind of scenario right well if someone's in an abusive relationship do everything you can to leave it um, the, I can't remember the statistic off the top of my head, but in terms of, um, females who are murdered, most of the time it's by, it's by a, uh, someone they know. And most of the time it's by a spouse or a loved one. It's just, I mean, just, it's, it's kind of a, a ridiculous, um, uh, I, I wish I had the number in front of me. This is a, a statistic for the United States, but it's, it's, um, domestic violence is a very big deal. Um, please get out of it as soon as possible. Your stress mode is um, heightening your senses and, and trying to get you into a safety, but being in it constantly or worrying about something that might happen. So in terms of domestic violence, though, I say get out, get out, get out, get out, go to someone else's house, just leave, go, um, grab the kids and go, get to safety, find safety somewhere, please. Uh, but in terms of if you're worried about the bills or worried about paying rent, and you're not um, physically in danger because because I, I, I would hate to tell someone I would hate to t- teach someone who's actually in, 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 in a could be physically in danger from violence to not be in stress mode and not do something about it. Right. So yeah. um, so that that's just the differentiation there. But for someone who is worried about bills, for example, the catch 22 is. Being worried about bills is actually uh, inhibiting you from paying them because 
being in stress mode shunts blood away from logic centers of your brain. You can't, you don't have access to your higher thinking. You can't think three dimensionally or think critically or uh, think, come up with new ways of solving the problem when you're in stress mode. Um, stress mode is just there to help you physically survive something. It's an ancient mechanism. So again, we didn't have bills <laughs> 10,000 <laughs> years ago. We didn't, we didn't have rent 10,000 years ago, but we did have like a bear that we had to run away from. Um, or if we were hunting or if we were fishing or something, we needed that extra energy that the, in our limbs to, to go and, and, um, and react quickly. Uh, but you, so what you want is you actually want to be out of stress mode and into the st uh, parasympathetic response so that you can think critically and with three, three dimensional thinking so that you can solve the problem in a new way that you haven't seen before. Um, you know, they haven't been able to invent a supercomputer as, as, um, complex as our brain Our you, you have the world's, uh, most powerful computer between your ears. And so we want to do everything we can to support it in, in coming up with new and innovative solutions for you to be able to pay the bills. For example, if that's the threat, um, and so we got to get you out of stress mode so that you can have access to brain packs so you can start to, so you can start to, um, to come up with, with the new solutions. And that's where this technique comes in. So you're going to use the technique I'm going to teach you. Every time you have anxiety, you're going to use the technique. And then the anxiety goes away. And then you might trigger it again five minutes later, 20 minutes later, a day later. Whenever you trigger it again, you're going to do the technique again. And a technique takes you less than 15 seconds. So you might end up having to do, when you first start out, you might have to do this every five minutes for, the, for a whole day. You know, what happens is the more you do it because of neuroplasticity, you begin to create a new strategy neurologically and you, you'll notice after, after about a month that your brain starts to actually focus on solutions quickly instead of focusing on imagining threats that could happen. I'll give you an example. Pretend that COVID is not a thing right now and we all live in L.A., and we're it's like 8.30 in the morning. We're driving to work on the highway, the big, you know, like 12-lane highway, lots of traffic, but everything's running smooth. It's a beautiful sunny day. And all of a sudden, we see brake lights ahead. And we're in panic. We're in anxiety. And we don't know why is it that we just jump so quickly into anxiety. Well, what happened in a split second, you saw those brake lights, but this is what your brain did. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to be late for work. And if I'm late for work, my boss is going to fire me. And if my boss fires me, I won't be able to pay the bills. I'm, I'm not going to be able to pay the rent or the mortgage. I'm going to be homeless and then I'm going to be dead. <laughs> and the brain does that in one second. It goes, snap. Worst case scenario, we're all dead. And then we're in anxiety <laughs> when you're sitting there on this beautiful sunny day with like some brake lights in front of you. And you're imagining why you're wondering, why is it that I feel so bad right now? You know, why is it that my palms are sweating and I feel nauseous and I can't digest my my lunch or my breakfast is just sitting in my stomach. And uh, and I feel like I'm, I'm having a bit of a panic attack. What's going on? So that's uh, that's how quickly anxiety kicks in. What's how quickly we will perceive something as as um, benign as some brake lights. And we'll, our brain goes, this is life-threatening. goes, worst case scenario, this is, this is life-threatening. And, and obviously, if we came back to our logic 
brain, we could call ahead to let our boss know there's some traffic. We could offer to stay late. We could, you know, dock our hours, uh, whatever. I mean, there's so many, there's so many things we could mm-hmm. do to, um, to prevent being fired. Even if we were fired, we could go get another job and maybe go on unemployment until we got the job. I mean, we talk to our bank or our landlord, you know, there's just, there's so many things we could do to prevent the being home. And even if we were homeless, we wouldn't die. We're in LA. It's a beautiful city. You go live in a tent. I mean, it's just like, logically we could, we could talk it out and go, listen, yes. Okay. Even if bad things happen, we can work it out. We can get back on our feet. We're very resilient. And then we can, we can, we can see that there are solutions, but when you're in panic mode, when you're in anxiety, when you're in stress mode, you cannot see solutions. You can only see threats. You can only see bears coming after you. So we got to get out of it, especially children, right? Children can't see, can't think, can't have that critical thinking also when they're in, when they're perceiving threats. So we've got to get you out of the reacting to the threats around you so that you can solve the problem. And that's where the catch 22 comes in. Cause if you're right now, which so many people are under this constant threat of, can I pay the bills? What if I get the virus? Like just all these, you know, worries. Right. And there you're just, you're going to be bombarded with these thoughts and these worries every day. And your job is to get out of stress mode so that you can have your critical thinking and solve it. Use the sensation of anxiety as your guide listen to the sensation of your body and when you feel anxiety and and feeling anxiety is different for people like what like I said when I was a kid I I could not pinpoint it I just know I'd have an upset stomach I felt like I was gonna throw up I'd get a headache my palms would sweat my heart would pound and I feel like I was dying or being attacked right some people can't um identify that that's anxiety but you could identify you feel stress in the body you feel worry you, you feel like you're under threat So have a talk with your children about what that feels like and identify that that's a state of stress or or that's panic or that's anxiety. And and then teach them the technique I'm I'm about to teach you. And you do this every day to get – all it does is get you out of stress mode. And then you're going to have to keep doing this technique over and over because this technique is is what you use when you're in an acute situation. But over time, it retrains the brain. And then I teach other techniques. Um, I teach things you can do preventively to rewire the brain. Some homework that I give, you can rewire the brain. Um, I have a whole course that's a a month-long program um, on my website, learntruehealth.com. And if you go there, click on Free Your Anxiety. It took me 14 months to design this course and, and to film it and put this together. And it's everything I do with clients. Uh, but it's even better because you can, you can go through the videos over and over again. Um, so, so this is, this is the powerful technique that works in an, in an acute situation and you do it enough and it will rewire the brain. And then if you want more, definitely do the course because there are techniques you do every day to rewire, help rewire the brain as well. And that works even faster because you do it when you're not in anxiety. You do those techniques when you're not in anxiety. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to teach you the technique today. Yeah, this is going to be fantastic. And, and I just wanted to, just before we start it, what I really loved is the fact that when you can have that conversation with your children about the fact that 
this is a, a natural process and it's a decision and then we can support you with it. It gives the whole thing a different framework, doesn't it? And I, and I think that being able to just have that initial conversation and then have the skills that you're going to teach us now, I think is just wonderful. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you're you're not shaming them or there's not, nothing wrong with them. They don't need to be put on a drug. And this is, listen, I'm, a, I'm into holistic health. I believe that the body has an amazing ability to heal itself and drugs have their place, but they shouldn't be the first tool we go to. They should be, in some cases, the last tool we go to. And drugs for emotions really um, drive me crazy because unless, unless you have if that drug is going to save your life, I want you on it, obviously. If it's going to improve your life tremendously, I, obviously I want you to have that resource. But so many people are put on anti-anxiety medications and children, children are put on anti-anxiety medications. We are medicating a natural process instead of giving them the tools. And it's like we're suppressing them. Instead of giving them the tools to understand their physiology and understand this reaction in their body and teach them how to overcome it we're actually setting them up for failure as adults by putting by putting children on anti-anxiety medication we're setting them up for failure because we're not actually teaching them how to understand what's going on in their body and how to change their thinking and and so you know i mean that's my soapbox um but i've had many many uh, I've interviewed over 400, it's close to 450 people now, many uh, doctors and experts in holistic health, and, and a dozen of them at least, were children who were on medication that didn't need to be on medication, and they, they've shared their experiences, and that's what led them to want to become doctors and, and health experts, um, because they, as children, had really bad experiences being put on medication and uh, and they they then got off of it and then they learned how to how to work with their brain. And, and so they, they came to the same conclusion I came to. And I'm really glad I wasn't put on medication, although nowadays I would have been. Um, but I'm glad that I was given the experience of of learning these techniques. Uh, it really is empowering. Um, I think in some cases when we medicate, it's just we're stunting their growth because we're not allowing them to, to learn this. Um, but this, these are, those are tools. Those are tools and resources that we have. And, and we go to medication when we, when we think it's the best tool. And I just hope that, um, that this technique will help people to, to, um, gain so much control over themselves that they, that they feel they no longer need, um, medication. I've actually had clients tell me, um, of course I'm not a doctor. I can't tell anyone to get off of medication. Everyone should seek their doctor and work with them to safely get off of medication. But I've had, I've had clients come back to me and say, I was, I was a, a lifelong user of, of anti-anxiety meds. And after learning this technique, I've, I've gotten off of them safely. And, and with, with the, with the help of my doctor, I'm now off of them completely. And, and so I've, I've had that, that experience numerous times where people have told me they're no longer on anti-anxiety medication because of this technique I'm about to teach. So it's, it's, it's very powerful. It is how we, it's the root cause. It's how we create anxiety in the body and it's how we can turn it off. So I'm going to teach you basically how to turn off the, the little light switch, what triggers anxiety. But just remember, you have to do it every time you experience anxiety, take the 15 seconds to do this technique. And the more you do it, the more you're going to rewire your brain. 
and that that makes so much sense to me because um it's it's the thing it's the thing i tell my my drum students all the time is the fact it's that repetition it's that practice it's that creating those neural pathways that enables your brain to remember that it's your left foot rather than your right foot and your right hand to your left foot. I'm, I'm assuming it's the same it's the same process in in terms of just that mm-hmm. repetition and the practicing of it so that um those pathways become much more natural mm-hmm. yeah absolutely great i'm really excited to, to, to find out exactly how this works then Okay, great. Well, the best way to teach it is to actually uh, have someone go through it. So do you have any any events coming up for which you feel anxiety around? Um, okay, let me think. <laughs> just bearing in mind, we're just at home at the moment with very little going on coming up. But um, let's... Um... <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but I mean, are you worried about anything? Are you worried about a bill or on a meeting or an interview? Or is there anything? And it can just be a little thing. In fact... For the first time teaching this, I don't want you to come up with the the biggest thing. I and and everyone who's listening, I, I want I want you to think about something small that you're feeling anxiety around. An example could be a friend of mine is anxious about going to the grocery store because she has to wear a mask and they're what if they're out of hand sanitizer and you know she starts imagining these worst case scenarios and what what if she gets the virus and what yeah. if people aren't standing six feet away from her. Yeah, well, I, I, I've I've got one that probably fits in quite well in terms of the of the current situation, and which is a reality for us, which is that our eldest, um, as um, would have normally been doing her exams over the summer, but um, they've all been cancelled now. So, oh. the, the overall anxiety is is we don't know how the grades are going to work and whether the grades are related to then the university place or not, and that kind of thing. And it's a big unknown. So that that's probably the probably people yeah. listening that can also relate to that as well. So for teaching you this technique, because what you exi- what you explained is like um, there's no real end to that. Uh, so we're gonna so for this just teaching the technique, I like to pick a very simple something that's like I'm worried about going to the grocery store today, right? Or I'm worried about my dental exam on next Thursday. And so for yours, we can use yours. But what what from what I heard from what you said, you're actually worried about her university education. You're worried about if she's going to get into un- the, her university of choice. Is that is that really what's at the root of it? Yeah, I, I guess it would be the fact that there's this big unknown, which at which yeah. I, get, I mean, the, the, yeah, the, there is that kind of point then whether you would know because there'll be results day as it were. But yes, I guess it's a little bit longer than that rather than yes, I'm going to the dentist next week and I'm worried about having to have a filling or whatever that might be. Right. So some things actually because you're you're worried about her her um, her grades. But what you're really worried about is if she's going to get into college, if she's going to get into university, because that's what you were worried about. So it's like sometimes when we're worried about something or we have an anxiety about something, there's actually a deeper concern and we and it's a more effective to get to the deeper concern. So um, let's do the technique this way. And then so I want everyone to pick something and I'm going to teach a technique and then we're going to unpack it. So I want you to go ahead and, and obviously don't. Don't be driving when we're doing this because I'm going to have you go ahead and close your eyes. So for those who are driving, don't don't close your eyes um, unless you can pull over safely and park your car. So go ahead and close your eyes. And I want you to imagine that your life is like a, a line in front of you, a big timeline um, that, you know, time is linear and either it's, and you can see your futures in front of you as a line and your past is behind you, or maybe your future is off to the right and your past is off to the left. Maybe that line is straight. Maybe it's curved. 
however you perceive time is fine. It's all, it's however you perceive it is great. So go ahead and float above that line. And I want you to float 15 minutes past the successful completion of the event for which you have anxiety around. So you're floating 15 minutes past the successful completion. Now you're, we're, we're using our imagination here. We're not soothsaying. We're not fortune telling. We're just using our imagination. So you're actively imagining what would be happening 15 minutes past the successful completion of the event. Now look down on your body. Where's your anxiety? Is it there or is it gone now? No, it's definitely gone. And and so in this case, you're you're imagining her in her dorm or at university or what were you imagining? Yeah, no, I was imagining that kind of, you know, the results have come through, they've been opened and then just sort of that almost relief of kind of, you know, great. This is what Perfect. we this is what we hoped for. But now it's a reality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. So your anxiety is at a zero. So all everyone whose anxiety is at zero, come back to now. There's some people that still have anxiety. So there's two reasons why you'd still have anxiety. So people who still have anxiety still be float, floating above your timeline. Are you imagining the successful completion? Some people will just imagine the completion and will still be imagining bad things happening. Of course, then you're telling your body that threats are happening and then you would still be in anxiety. So what I want you to do for those people who still have anxiety, go 15 minutes past the successful completion. So what's that look like? Well, maybe you're, if it was an exam or a dental visit, maybe you're driving home and you're on the cell phone and you're talking about how great it was. I mean, it's really bit, um, mundane things like 15 minutes past some, some a success of something is, um, is just very calm. Not a lot's going on. Uh, but you can see the, that, that it was successful. So when you're imagining 15 minutes past the successful completion and your anxiety goes to zero, you can come back to now and open your eyes. Now there's about two, two, 1 or 2% of people that still have anxiety, and this is why. There's a deeper, there's a deeper concern. Uh, so ask yourself, what am I anxious of now? What am I anxious of now? And then go 15 minutes past the successful completion of that event. And if your anxiety is at a zero, good, come back to now. And if you still have anxiety, what I want you to do is I want you to go 15 minutes past the successful completion of your life. You're 120 years old. You died peacefully, surrounded by generations of your family that all love you. You were a success. You were a um, philanthropist. Everything, everything you set out to do in your very long and healthy life, you accomplished. And you are so happy to transition on to heaven or whatever your belief system is. Go 15 minutes past the successful completion of your life. This, that technique, by the way, is great for general anxiety. And then come back to now. So the reason why people still had anxiety when they, um, after they imagine the successful completion and there was something deeper you had to ask yourself, what are you anxious of now? I'll give you an example. Cause for you, it, you may still have had anxiety. I'm glad you didn't. Some people would have still had anxiety if they were imagining the test results come in because then they're like, well, but what if, what if she still doesn't get into the university? Right? So there's like another layer. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then you'd have to go imagine her in university and maybe you have to imagine her 15 minutes after graduation and maybe imagine her 15 minutes after getting her ideal job. And like you, you have to, basically what you're doing is you're just, you're going to play a place in your mind where you're telling your body there are no threats. Everything's safe. Now it's just as made up and just as unreal as all of the threats you've been imagining. What if she doesn't get in? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this, you know, what if I lose my job? What if I lose my house? What if I lose my, you know, all spending energy imagining bad things happening to you is just as made up and not real as imagining good things happening to you. Now, people go, well, I have to prepare. But I, I, I assert that you have not been preparing. You've been lamenting. You see, preparation and lamenting are two very different things. In where I am in the United States, there's supposed to be a really big earthquake. I live just outside of Seattle. Apparently the whole West Coast is supposed to just like shake and fall off and fall into the ocean at some point. And so they talk about every once in a while when the media has nothing to talk about, they talk about the big earthquake could be coming. And everyone gets afraid imagining, you know, the big earthquake. Well, thinking about waking up and worrying about the earthquake is not going to solve anything, right? It's not going to fix anything. And it's not actually preparing to think about it and worry about it. Preparing looks like this. You get a checklist of all the things you should have, have a family plan. You've got all your emergency supplies. Okay, we've got we've we've done everything we could possibly do to prepare. And now we're done. Now we put it away and we forget and we stop thinking about it. Unless we need to revisit and like the the family plan and just you know check up on the supplies. Other than that, there's nothing else we can do. And worrying about it will never change the outcome. Will never change the outcome. Worrying about something actually will make it worse. Because if it was worrying about bills, it would make it worse. Because it takes it it harms your body to worry. It it's it harms your immune system. Worrying about the virus, worrying about catching the virus actually will may increase your chances of getting the virus <laughs> because worry decreases the immune system and decreases the body's ability to heal itself. So this is the catch to too. Worrying does not help you prepare for a better future. But we we have in our neurology, we think it does because we have thousands of years of of. I don't want to use the word evolution because I know, you know, it, I'm not here to debate how, like whether we came from Adam and Eve or whether we like it's not the, the that's not what I'm here to talk about. But we've we know that as humans, we've been here for thousands of years, if not hundreds of thousands of years. And through generation after generation, every generation survived because they ran away from the bear. They were able to fight. So neurologically, our, we have this ancestral urge to focus on the worst case scenarios in order to survive them. The problem is now with our modern day, we're constantly fixated on these worst case scenarios. We're constantly in stress mode and we're actually doing ourselves a huge disservice. So we need to rise above it. We need to rise above it. Do this technique every time you have anxiety, teach your children how to do this technique to turn off the anxiety and then you'll have the access to your logic centers, your brain again. And then five minutes later, you might have anxiety again because maybe you started focusing on on the what you don't want to have happen. So anxiety is a message from your unconscious mind to focus on what you want instead of what you don't want. I was working with an author and he 
had anxiety about his second book coming out. So I had him go 15 minutes past the successful launch of the book. And his anxiety went from a six to a three, but it was still there. So I said, what are you anxious of right now? And he went, oh, the reviews. I said, okay, great. Go 15 minutes past the successful completion of all the reviews. And that had to be like, you know, 2,000 years from now because it's on Amazon. <laughs> and, then, and then his anxiety went to zero and he had this huge epiphany. He said every time he gets off of a podcast because he gets you know, he's interviewed a lot, he would be inconsolable for at least an hour because he'd be worried about all the people that were judging him and thinking he was stupid. And, you know, he would kind of go, go through in his mind everything he said that was wrong. And, and he didn't realize he was doing this his entire life. He was so worried about these people who he'll, he'll never meet who hate him. In his mind, his made up mind. And children do this, too. We're, we're, as children, we're so worried about, you know, being picked on on the playground or what if they don't want to play with me? What if they don't like me? And what if my friend doesn't like me anymore? And, you know, so this this idea, this fear of rejection, which is very primal, because if we were rejected from the tribe, you know, 10,000 years ago, we would die. Um, you have to be socially accepted to survive. So any kind of social um, rejection is is a threat to survival and that puts us back into to, to, to survival mode. And so um, when teaching him this technique, he had this big epiphany and he was able to totally change his life, change the quality of his life with this one technique. So when you have when you still have anxiety, when you do this technique, remember, you have to go 15 minutes past the successful completion, not just the completion. And you have to ask yourself, what am I anxious of now? Because there might be layers to it. And then and then if you still have anxiety, go all the way to the end of your successful life. What we're doing is we're just constantly sending we're sending signals to our body that we're safe. By imagining success, we're telling our body we're not in threat mode. We're not we're not in, we're not under threat. And thus we don't need our body to be in stress mode. So the body's always listening to our thoughts. We need to be more in control of our thoughts so that we can be more in control of of um the state our body's in. And I love that whole sense of awareness because that, that's really what it's all about. And, and I think understanding how our modern world sets us up for all of these things, as we've already spoken about. And I had I, in my mind came this idea of, you know, like a, a load of tigers in, in the wild and, and all of that. And of course, you know, when any any animals under threat and you see them on the telly, you know, they do all that the running and getting away and all that kind of stuff. But I thought, but you're right for, you know, the majority of the time in any given day, they're just lazing around doing what they need to do and just being. Um, and and I think for us to understand that we're not in that sort of world um, from a human perspective, certainly at this particular time in the human experience, then then that makes a lot of sense. And then I think we can understand what's going on. And I think that for me certainly also helps that response as well in realising that it's something we have control over, which immediately changes that whole thought of anxiety anyway. Exactly. Yeah, we should be more like the lions that are napping on the Serengeti. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's all go there. <laughs> Love it. Fantastic. Well, Ashley, that's it's so helpful and it's so great to really talk through it and pick all those things out, pick all those things out. And I, and I think for for teachers listening, parents listening, and 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 young people as well. I think just understanding it and being able to bring it in and also be able to experience 
the, the process of being able to help ourselves that's the how is always a, is the most important factor and I think you've done that brilliantly today so I really appreciate your time and also your expertise in that and I think so many people um, lives will be um, positive for them for having listened to this awesome I'm so happy I could be here today to disseminate this information and allow people to to learn tools that will sh- give them the quality of life they deserve fantastic and just just as we finish up give them your the website again for for the course and and the extra things that they can find out more about you with yeah absolutely so i have a podcast it's called learn true health with ashley james you can find it on your favorite podcast uh directory uh you can go to my website learntruehealth.com you can find our free facebook group i think we have four thousand members right now and, and growing it's a wonderfully supportive facebook group for people who are into holistic health and uh, that's learn true health on facebook and then on my website learntruehealth.com just go into the menu uh at the top the upper right hand corner click on the menu and you'll see where it says free your anxiety and there's a cool video on the sales page there the video i actually i wanted to show people that this technique works with complete strangers who have never been taught anything about anxiety or anything about this technique. So I I reached out to my Facebook group, local Facebook group of a few um, thousand people. And I said, would you mind if you have an anxiety meeting me in the local park, I'm going to film you. I'm going to teach you how to get rid of anxiety. And, uh, and so I met them, I shook their hand, we turned on the camera and all I did, I did the technique totally cold, not teaching them anything about it. And, uh, and then I share in the video, the results, and it's just, it's just a cool thing, um, that I met up with five people and all five people had great results. I've also worked in churches where, um, with over a hundred people and, uh, it was so neat. I, you know, I, I didn't expect it when I said, do you have anxiety? And a hundred percent of the church put up their hands over a hundred people. And then, uh, and then doing the technique, it would, the, you know, you would see most hands drop and and then I'd have to have them do the successful completion and a few more hands would drop. And then there, this one guy had still his hand up and we had to go all the way to the successful completion of his life and then his hand went down. So I asked them to keep their hand up until they didn't have anxiety and then put their hand down when they didn't have anxiety. And so it's just so neat that you can do this with individuals, you can do this with groups, you can do this technique with children. You can do it with anyone. As long as people can follow directions, they can do this technique and it works. And I'm just, I'm so, I'm always so excited to share it because if you do it, it will completely change your life. So Ashley, thank you so much for joining us and um, yeah, keep up the great work. Awesome. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.